Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. All right, let's dive into what I think would be a good conversation, but it's also going to be a deep topic about how we can support people uh, in healthcare and and do so also in crisis intervention services for college and university students. We're going to be spending time with Dr. Rufus Tony Spann. He's the executive director of mental health uh, and the founding member and former chief clinical officer of Hurdle, a digital health platform for people of color. Dr. Spann brings extensive experience in creating equity with, within mental health and reducing barriers to access to increase preventative wellness for all. He's honed his experience in the intersection of mental health and higher education over the last decade and continues to teach at the University of Southern California and serve on the Forbes Health Advisory Board. Uh, Dr. Spann, it's nice to spend some time with you today. Um, look, I was really interested in your work and Timely MD when it comes to supporting and providing services for people of color. Can you give me a state of the union? Kind of where are we at? Not to start in a very serious tone, but I think it's important. This is information that I think we need to know about. Um, and we can't be afraid of the statistics that might make us, uh, you know, I don't know, <laughs> want to hide in the corner because they're just not very good, right? No, and I appreciate you starting off with that question. It's because it's exactly one of the reasons I'm with Timely MD is because um, I'm aligned with their mission and I'm aligned with work that they've done within their provider network, specifically starting off with that and then leveraging into the actual conversation around just the diversity of student bodies that we serve and the intentionality behind the work that we're doing. Right now, the provider network is right around 60% of our provider network at Timely MD, uh, BIPOC, people of color, are, that represents our provider network. 60% are BIPOC or people of color, and it includes LGBTQ plus or queer identifying. That is a phenomenal number and something that as being uh, executive director of mental health, I'm very happy to see and happy to be a part of. Um, I know that your diversity within network helps you to support the student body or the members that we serve and able to have our members do some of that self-selecting that comes along with looking for a provider. Sometimes people really do want to work with somebody that looks just like them, somebody that knows that narrative or that experience just like them. So when we talk about what's the state of the union or what's happening in our in our nation, we already know that this is a historical issue that's been going on. However, there's been a shift in BIPOC and people of color seeking mental health services. So I'm happy to say that Timely MD, when reaching out to institutions and supporting as many institutions as we do, that's 200 plus institutions, a million students, and continuing to grow, looking into supporting institutions such as HBCUs, institutions that are primarily um, that have Hispanic populations, diverse populations, non-binary. When we look at just the diversity of students now, we need to make sure that we are serving those that are now seeking mental health opportunities, and that includes diverse populations. Let's talk about the the role education plays, because to your point, look, if we weren't providing services so that people could seek out providers that looked like them, right? Um, if we take it from a very sort of a, a baseline, it seems like there has to be a lot of education to not just that the service is there, but in essence, what the services are like, like the tangibility, right? The, the look and the feel, because and of course, I'm coming from a very different perspective, right? I, I'm, <laughs> we, we can get to that if we want, how deep we want to get. But right. I just don't, what I don't want to miss is 
the amount of time in, that it takes to help to provide education on what's available if I'm a young person of color. And I didn't even think of it as an option because it didn't feel like it reflected me, my culture, my community. And so it feels like even when you have that available, you still have to provide education in ways that says we're here, <laughs> here are the mm -hmm. services and why it's important that we connect with you. Is that, mm -hmm. am I fair or foul on that? No, you're fair on that. And I actually appreciate that we're taking the conversation here because I feel like the more we can put these kind of conversations into the ethos, I think we make the difference, particularly amongst providers, amongst telehealth companies, amongst institutions. So we have to continue these kind of conversations. And the impetus behind that is realizing how do we meet the needs of the consumer, the client, the student, the member within our sessions. And so as we beckon and ask people of color, BIPOC, Black, Indigenous to come into sessions and actually work on the mental health and wellness, we have to remember that there's a social justice issue that's still happening in our world. As we enter or as identify as Black African-American male, as I would enter into a session and as we're talking about generalized anxiety, stress, um, or depression, which are some of the things that we're starting to see more at Timely Indeed, um, just a part of the, the general population, we have to remember, or I'm very cognizant, is that when working with somebody that identifies as BIPOC, queer, that the social justice issues that may be pressing upon general anxiety, depression, or stress may be due to the social justice issues or the social climate. And so I believe that if practitioners want to work with BIPOC, queer, or other identities that are living within the social systems, they have to be mindful of that. So as you're still addressing what is considered the identified problem, you have to be mindful that there's a lived experience that goes on beyond just what you're seeing in the room and not being mindful of that and bring that in. You could maybe be doing an injustice to the person that's coming in finally into therapy. Dr. Spann, is there an opportunity here sort of writ large in the industry to help educate not just those that could be in essence patients or clients or customers of Timely MD, but the the establishment? I'm saying that very nicely. You can see, I know this is audio, <laughs> but you can see my sarcasm, but right, the establishment right. where they can they can start to see that, look, just because of this is how we've been doing it for decades does not mean that this is how we need to do it going forward, that our language is important, the way in which we put things in context is important, the way in which we have, I mean, the whole system, like why is it that we engage in the ways that we do? Are our waiting rooms uh, open and friendly and inclusive? How do we look, you know, the whole process it feels like could go through a, a bit of a, uh, I don't know, a redesign. <laughs> and I'm wondering if Timely MD and what you're doing can be poured, not maybe ported over, but included in a conversation where we avoid some parallel tracks that just says, all right, Timely MD is going to do their thing and the establishment's going to do their thing. Because it feels like, I don't know how much progress that makes over the long haul for everybody involved. And if you guys have found something that's compelling, my goodness, bring it over. <laughs> the establishment needs it. Well, for what you're asking for, it is really a, um, if you will, starting over, um, really not just in the therapeutic tools and the theory, but really starting over and putting everybody in the same conversation. A lot of things or tools that were created were not where everybody was included. It was very white male centered in how they perceived the worldview. And so I think you have a lot of clinicians, you have a lot of institutions and Timely Indeed is one, but in addition to that, we're talking about a broader stroke, which includes national and global, looking at how do we provide services, which also you talk about imaging, messaging, and inviting into these spaces. 
what do the spaces feel like? But that's changing the whole dynamic and inclusivity comes along with asking questions of indigenous people and means asking questions of people of color and black and how do we rewrite the experience? How do we change the experience and make it more inclusive? And I think ways that that's being done or, or how that can be done, it does take imaging, but then it also goes beyond the imaging is then how is the messaging? And beyond messaging is once the person's finally into the session, what tools are using? Beyond that, when we think about a continuum of care, how are we still following up, making sure that there's resources that are in the communities that people live in? So I think if we're thinking about it from a broader stroke, there's so many different nuances that it's kind of having like a, a catch one all for like saying this is it. It takes a little bit more than that. But I think if we really want to start having better conversations around it, it's inclusivity in the conversations. Once everybody's at the table and we're talking about equity and creating that opportunity, which could be at larger organizations that govern these mental health bodies all the way into state level, federal level. But once we start really having these opportunities for inclusivity and equity and really thinking about how that creates a level of justice, then we can start talking about how do we change the narrative and create better opportunities for mental health and well-being for all. Tell me about the, if I say the word trust, but what role does trust play in onboarding sounds very sterile, but in integrating in or providing at least the opportunity to those let's say young people, students that did not know there was a resource out there that was much more reflective of their experience. I would think that the trust threshold is really key before even work can be done to support sort of growth and development uh, with regards to mental health. Yeah, so that's a great point. And, you know, I'm thinking about reflecting on my days as a college student. I'm reflecting on my time within the profession of mental health. And there's an experience I think other people may be happening in their own nuances and their intersecting identities. But getting to exactly what you're asking for, trust is important. And I think there is a sense of distrust based on what's happening in our world, particularly at different levels um, that students are seeing. You have a different generation where they question a lot. And I appreciate the questions because we should question. We should question to seek answers. And sometimes the answer that we get, we don't feel comfortable with. And that's totally fine as well, because I think having autonomy in our own governance and our own ideas is perfectly fine. I think what trust that we build at Time Indeed is making sure that we hold accountability to our providers with quality assurance. We hold accountability to making sure that our times for our time sessions. So if that's talk now, which is on demand 24-7, that we are making sure that we're providing that access to them. Also within the app that we have, Timely Care, all these things are consistent, that there's a level of trust that is built within our practitioners, uh, a level of trust that's happening within our agency uh, at Timely Indeed. So I think that's the level of trust that if a student was engaging with Timely Indeed, they can see that. Now, the level of trust that needs to come along with their institution, with their state or their federal level, or even beyond that in the world, I think these students, uh, Gen Z and any other generation, or any other student that could be at any level of generation, because we have generation of students that are always going back and continuing education. I think what's happening here is there needs to be consistency, continuity, and transparency. And sometimes the transparency and the conversations that need to happen are not the easiest. Sometimes they're not going to be the, the most tied with a bow at the end. But I think this is what students are looking for now. And sometimes these hard conversations that we need to have need to be brought to the forefront 
and talked in town hall discussions, open discussions, and we need to hear their voice. I think that's where we can start with trust, but we have a long way to go. And I wish I had more of a complete answer, but I think it really no, is I think you, opening I, up. I think you hit on it there, Dr. Span, and, and I completely agree on the town hall element, right? I think we have so many one-to-one conversations. I mean, now I... <laughs> I sound like a hypocrite because we're having one right now, but um, but we don't have enough town halls in that manner where we pull in the different voices. I want to pivot to telehealth, and I, I yes. want to use education, the pandemic, and Zoom as a as a backdrop. So okay. we thought in education, oh, we know about technology, and it's such a nice thing to have, and we kind of go about our merry way, and where we can integrate it, and we do. Pandemic hits, we are. <laughs> We are sort of in tele-education uh, mode, right? So it's, you you don't have a choice. And so that changed the industry for forever, right? The, the, the train tracks have shifted. Telehealth, everybody could feel it. They've seen the developments and the growth over time. Uh, where are we right now in 2022 when it comes to the experience or the expectation from the, the consumer side? And also, how are we doing from the provider side? Because I think one thing we saw in education is, you would find teachers who would say, wow, this is such a different experience. I have to almost rewire myself. I have to reconfigure how I approach talking through sort of a pixelated experience. And so help me understand, translate that for telehealth and how that applies to your work with TimelyMD. Uh, well, that's a great question because, you know, at the 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 base of TimelyMD, it is the telehealth services that we provide. And something that we've seen is that there's pre-pandemic still pandemic, as we're in the pandemic, if you will, um, where 10% of our student base were looking for seeking that mental health services are providing through our app. And now we're at a place where it's 80%. So you've seen a major change during the pandemic where there's this level of treatment-seeking behavior, supportive behavior. And there's many reasons that we can probably postulate to that, but as we're seeing in Timely MD, as I mentioned before, we're seeing general anxiety, depression, and stress are some of the major things that are why students are coming in. And I can understand that one, just from our student base, that being at a time in your life, there's a lot of changes, but there's a lot happening in our world. In addition to that, when we think about telehealth, teleeducation, almost everything is telehealth or teleremote, if you will. And so we're at a point where I think students are able to tr- seek treatment through virtual care easier than if maybe they were on campus. But at the same time, we collaborate with our campuses. We collaborate in support. And so thinking about at one time, as I was on brick and mortar on ground as a professor, uh, department chair, I, I could tell that our students, students enjoyed having services, being in class, being in person. And so did our professors. Now we've seen a shift and change where like there is a deepening or kind of jumping into this remote spirit that we have. And so I am a proponent of online and on ground, but as a telehealth professional, switching that and kind of going into that space, I appreciate the ability for students that if they want to see a therapist or a counselor that's uh, aligned with the school that they go to beyond their normal counseling hours, that they can. If a student is able to get the education that they want or need, and they don't have to commute to the campus, but they're able to get the quality education, I'm also okay with that, as I've been in both spaces as a a psychotherapist and as an academician. And so what I'm saying all to that is, if these students or current students 
are getting what they need in services. If that's an education, that's quality. If that's services that are quality, I'm all for that because I know that the world has changed. And for many institutions and for many counseling centers, the growth that we're seeing that it may not be on ground as much as we thought we could serve. And it may be in this telehealth space. Let's, let's take the conversation and take it personal to you, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so curious. You've accomplished a lot. You are um, creating impact all over the place. And now with Timely MD, it seems like you get to expand that opportunity to uh, create positive impact, growth and development for people. Uh, how do you how do you think about the responsibility that you have now with where you are and what you're doing because you can have reached to that many people? Uh, I get the sense you have fantastic poise about you. There's a measuredness about you that says you're wise beyond your years. You've experienced um, a lot, but you're able to handle that and then sort of funnel that through your work that then supports the people that you work with. Tell me about responsibility. Tell me how that maybe has changed through your professional career. Because I think when it is you go from one to one, one to many, (laughs) one to millions, that that can impact us personally. And I would imagine that you've seen some growth and or some blind spots that revealed themselves over time. Yeah, I have. And thank you for asking that. It's it's almost one of the questions that um, people get asked the least. And and I'm going to then bring it to me and say it is one of the questions that I get asked the least. Because what you're asking is, one, what have been the growth and stretch areas for me, and also a very humbling area. Um, I will say this, you know, starting off in this profession, being an African-American male and being Black, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me. I didn't see a lot of people that had some of the ideas and visions that I had. And particularly, this, this goes back almost a decade now, when I was the president of the Maryland Counseling Association. My conference for that year was looking at tech and technology and how we were going to bring tech and wellness into a space of therapy. At that time, nobody really understood where I was going with that. A lot of therapists at that time did not believe in bringing remote telehealth therapy or services into play. We're now 10 years later where it is now really almost most of the work that we're doing. And... I've been championing the idea of bringing in that kind of services to break down barriers to access. And when I would say that, a lot of people would, you know, what do you mean by that? And for me, I knew that for men, sometimes black men, people of color to get to a therapy office, you know, that's probably 40, 45 minutes away, taking several buses or driving or however, that wasn't going to work. Some people don't want to show up in a waiting room and be seen. You know, some people have all the excuses in the world why they don't feel like they can see a therapist. But I felt at that time, if we're able to look at how we leverage tech to be able to do that beyond the telephone, that there are so many more people that can get help and seek services and get to those services. Now, being at this point where now I'm executive director of the mental health with Timely Indeed and helping college students where that's been about 10 years of me working in academia 10 years of being in mental health, several years of being in the startup space, I'm able to bring it all together. And to be recognized for that is phenomenal. But to be able to bring in my leadership and my ideas and my thoughts around how 
we're 10 years in from where I was thinking at when it came to how to create a conference about telehealth and tech. Now I'm where I can take this another 10 years and continue to enhance that for services for people, increasing treatment-seeking behavior, breaking down barriers, continuing to shift the narrative by having my voice on a podcast like this, being in articles, whatever, whatever it takes to shift the narrative to increase that where you have more people seeking wellness, more people getting mental health services and having more people with access then it's all worth it. And I definitely feel like what I'm doing from when I started to now, I'm very humble and grateful, but I still know I have more to go. Was it difficult? Look, when we think about leadership, it's one thing, this is in parallel to what we're talking about, but it's Mm -hmm. one thing to lead on one level or department, these sorts of things, but are there challenges or differences in leading from a remote platform that were unexpected from your perspective? Yeah. Uh, it is, you know, I think the, even right now, as we're talking, you know, we're, we're doing our best, I think, to connect. Um, I think it's in our body language. It's in our voice. It's in our tone. It's me looking at you, you looking at me. And I, I, I'm very specific about this because that was one area where therapists were very leery. Like, how do you connect with somebody remotely? Knowing that they're not in person, there is a different energy that comes along. And so just noting that even leadership in a space where it's online or you're in tech or you're in all these different spaces, there is a different human element that happens. So working with therapists, uh, either our contractors or full-time, there is this different connection where if we were in a large, maybe clinical practice, and I could kind of have that kind of emoting back and forth, we're at the water cooler, we're processing. Yeah, it brings a different energy. But I think over time, you kind of learn to enhance certain skills uh, that, well, in the past, I never had to use these things. But now I'm looking at your micro nonverbals. I'm really paying attention to your pitch and your voice and your tone. And so as a leader, I do that with um, my uh, director of uh, operations for, for mental health. When I work with uh, the other full-time employees, when I work with my other colleagues, I'm being very mindful of that, but I'm also over-communicating. I'm making sure that I over-communicate in spaces. But there are some challenges that do come along with that, where I think making sure that you're being humanistic and not relying too much into tech and technology was the other issue that I think is still very real. I never want to take away a humanistic component, and I'm always mindful of that. And I feel like that is where sometimes where I'm jumping into our platforms to communicate calling is better. Making sure that I'm over-communicating is better. So there are some places where I feel like there is growth when it comes to using tech and not falling short of where the humanistic piece needs to be present. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that you have, I mean, you don't need to hear this from me, but you, you seem to be the right, <laughs> the right guy for the job, uh, especially that. when we think about college and university students. I mean, I, I, I think we're just scratching the surface on the needs that they have. They're, they're entering lives that are far more complex that, uh, and I'm probably older than you. I've got, I've got the gray hair here, but uh, they, they are experiencing and walking into complexities that I don't know if we could have planned for even our, in our own doctoral work. And, uh, and we do need thoughtful people who are thinking ahead and willing to be brave enough to think in places and in the directions that we haven't thought of in the past that may not be popular. And it seems like you are doing incredible work in that space. We want to thank Dr. Rufus Tony Spann. He's the executive director of mental health at Timely MD. Uh, where can they go, Dr. Spann, to either connect with you or uh, Timely MD? 
Well, that's a good question. And so for connecting with me, you know, just in those basic ethos that we already have, such as LinkedIn, and you can just Rufus Tony Span and look me up. Um, but I think when it comes to Timely MD, please look for Timely MD if you go into the actual ethos for Timely MD. There's so many articles, so much information out there that I think you should all look up and read upon so you can get the good information there. And then you also can check out Timely MD in social media spaces. There's so much great information out there as well. But Timely MD is definitely out there and please check into it. Well, keep up the fa- the fabulous work. Look forward to checking in with you periodically. And uh, I'm really glad that you're out there for my, my young kids as they get older and, and head into college and university. And I'm sure so many parents that think about their students, uh, their kids. Thanks so much. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.